Are you a leader in customer success, pre-sales, professional services, support? Do you work behind the scenes and roll up your sleeves to make sure that customers are happy? Renew. Then this is for you. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Getting it done. Services, success, and software. We'll talk with the pros that have been in the trenches, getting service teams off the ground, launching new types of groups to service customers, or running agencies that don't have a product attached to it. For the pros, by the pros. This is the GSD Podcast, and this is your host, Jeff Kushmerick. So we're going to get going here, Leslie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, see, it's so much easier when I don't have to then go hit record, right? So yeah, we usually get some conversations going. So Leslie, I've admired from afar for a while, um, just, just a ninja on community. But instead of me saying that, why don't you take a, a minute or two and just say why you're so passionate about community. And then we're just going to get deep into it. Um, actually, let me just do one quick thing. So we t- this is going to be a different approach than if anybody listened to the Jay Nathan interview. That was a kind of a how to sell software that's community related and get some ROI story out of it. We're just going to go a little bit more into the grassroots element of, of communities and in the um, the people aspect of it, I should say, almost. Um, so with all of that, over to you, Leslie. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, too, by the way. Glad we met in a community. Yeah, that's um, right. We found each other in the end up yeah. talking about community. So, um, so yeah, I guess if you the reason I'm so passionate about community, I think it's always been a part of my life. But um, you know, right prior to COVID, um, I joined um, Pavilion, a, a community for go-to-market leaders, um, just as a member because I was going to be my it was going to be my first time having a CS role that reported into sales, and um, you, I didn't you know what an MQL and started running it. No, I'm just. <laughs> No, 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 no. I didn't know what an MQL or an SQL was. So I was like, oh I think I need to know what this stuff is. Yeah. And so I'd met someone in Pavilion and he introduced me. And so I uh, became a member and then uh, started helping them uh, grow the Dallas chapter and um, eventually just decided I loved it so much that um, I pitched myself to the CEO of Pavilion and said, I think you should hire me. And, uh, you know, did that for a little bit over two years and the, just the connections that I've made and the, the things that, you know, personally, I've had the opportunity to be part of, like someone getting their a job after being laid off for a year, you know, being their first call after that, um, you know, the baby pictures that I get and just the, I mean, the friends that I have made, I mean, I can go anywhere in the world and have coffee with anyone That's insane. and yeah. it's insane. Yeah. And I mean, these are people that, I mean, they're truly people that I call my friends. There are people that I would probably are on my 3 a.m. something bad happened list. And, you know, I, you you know, now, right. Say that again. You have to bury a body and you know who to call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely who I'm going to call. So, I mean, just like my personal experience with community. And as I, you know, expanded into my role, it turned out to be almost half community role and half customer success role. And as I traditioned out of transitioned out of pavilion, I decided what do I like best? And 
honestly, if I could never do a QBR for the rest of my life, I would be happy and I will sing the praises of community all day long. QBR is getting such a bad rap these days. I, I got to talk to Bob. I don't know if you know Bob Lundin. He's a friend Bob of mine. Bob Lundin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Good friend of mine. I asked him today, what is the you? What? Because I'm going to, we're calling it something. To, you know. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, he was on my podcast. You two now have a, a sacred bond together. You're both podcast uh, interviews. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I met him um, at, at a retreat a couple oh, no, uh, last oh, year. Oh, yeah. The, um, the one out in Utah. Yes. CS100. Right. It was amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to go, but I got very sick when I was out at Gainsight Pulse because uh, my immune system seemed to <laughs> just not be doing so well after being locked in the house for two years. So, uh, oh no. But you're so right on um, um, being able to go anywhere and everything with, with just a community. We'll use Pavilion as an example. We had our Boston meetup um, last week and it was fantastic, right? And you meet so many people. And, and, and it was great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so let's talk about creating communities, right? And this is now you've moved into this is what you do, right? People pull you in and they right. say, how do we create a community, right? And what are, what are some things that you say, well, before we get into that, we have to absolutely make sure it's this, right? And mm-hmm. Instead of just like being some, hey, we're doing community, stamp the stamp on it and things like that, right? Are there core yeah. tenants that you just preach and people are like, oh, here goes Leslie again on that thing, right? But like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there are a few things. I mean, my general, you know, the people that I work with are startups, um, you know, usually seed to be. Okay. So, I mean, we start with things like mission, vision, and values. Tell me about your mission, vision, values of your company. Let's see how we take those and put those into the community. I mean, those, you know, if we want to, if it's an acquisition community, we want people to come and be part of our brand. If they're not now, we want them to know what it feels like to be part of our brand. And we can do that through the community. So like it starts out almost like basic startup advisor um, conversations. Um, The other thing is, you know, I love it when the CEO starts the conversation because it needs to be a top-down initiative as I mean, you probably know, and all the listeners probably know, it's not something we're going to just stand up and now we're going to, he's going to see RO, he or she's going to see ROI. And in three months, and they're going to be like, oh, man, we should have done this sooner. It's like, no, this is, you know, we're going to plant a seed that we're going to water. Yeah. Yeah. And tend. And so if the CEO is not fully bought in that this is a long term initiative, like that's not something that we're going to talk about actually before we even get to an engagement. Yeah, absolutely. What are the things that that tick you off or not like like make you mad, but like when you hear you're like, that's the wrong reason for starting a community? Mm. I mean, if it has anything to do with direct sales, I mean, direct sales, direct marketing, like I want a community so I could just market into them. Um, well, you will not have a community for more than maybe three months and then it will die um, because no one really wants to be marketed to. Um, um, if you've seen or not seen yet, Mark Schaefer's new book called Belonging to the Brand. No. Um, I think the last part of it is called Why Community is, I'm going to just make this up, Why Community is the Next Frontier of Marketing or Business. Um, but you know, that's, he says, that's exactly, you know, this community is the new marketing. And if you're going to go take these old standards of sales and marketing and try to like push them into your community, you're actually just like breaking the whole process from the beginning. But I highly, I highly, um, recommend that book. Yeah, I took a note down, I'll put it in the, in the show notes as well too. And going on vacation next week. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll pull it up in the old Kindle. 
uh, to go through. So, uh, um, so that's one of them. Yeah, I've, I've typically, where communities really popped up for me in, in the CS land recently is everybody saying it as an, um, I won't say as an alternative, but you can't scale without community. And I was wondering if you had a point of view on that. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're talking about scaling CS, yeah, scaling um, CS. without, yeah, scaling CS without community, it, I mean, you of course can, but it makes it a lot easier. I mean, you want to know what your, I mean, every CSM, every VP of CS, CCO wants to know what are my customers really thinking? Well, guess where you can find that? You can find it in a community. I can right. see what they're thinking because they're writing it. They're telling it to us. They're telling other people. Um, so you can get a really good gauge for, you know, the, the tenor of, how your product is working and, um, you know, a really good community manager can take all those insights and, you know, push it to the right departments mm -hmm. so that they're able to make much better decisions. Um, product can be in there. So if you imagine like your CSM and your product leaders are in there and then you've been telling them that something's buggy, yeah. but now they're hearing it from the clients, like, I know, exactly. You know, like, look, they're actually talking about it in here about how shaky this is right now. Maybe mm -hmm. you should go do something about that instead of building the next 10 dream features that you want, right? Yep, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I was actually part, and I, I did this, and I didn't even sort of associate it as being community, but uh, back, God, I'm going to really date myself, but 2008 area of stuff and worked at a very technical product. Um, it, if it was in these days, it would be considered like an API headless sort of solution, everything developer focused. And we wanted to create the developers network just to get developers in there and talking with each other and everything. Let's just say there was a strong pushback from some of the founders and some of the core development team that this would sort of give away everything right like that because mm -hmm. uh so there's a, i'm gonna have a question on a allowing people to talk about stuff is one thing and then b is this how do you feel about open access for people if they are not currently customers you know it depends on the it depends on the goal and it depends on the product um, you know, I think there's a different mindset in this world now too, where there's, there's just enough to go around. And I think in the case that you're talking about the, um, you know, if your developer, if the developers were your customers, mm -hmm. how better to show them how amazing you are than have them in there. Um, right. guess how, you know, somebody goes in with a question and it answers your code question for you. How much faster are you able to develop? I mean, that's, that's why people love, you know, developers love developer communities. Absolutely. Um, it, it really depends. It depends on what the subject, you know, the subject is. I mean, if you, let's say you're, um, I don't know, let's just say you're a, you're a RevOps company. Yep. You have a RevOps product, but you want to assemble a group of RevOps leaders, um, you know, thought leaders in the space, industry experts, et cetera. Um, and you bring people in around the thought leadership and the company feels more like a sponsor, which is really how I kind of think about it a little bit. Like you are the sponsor of it. You're enabling it. You're making people feel good about it. Then sure. I mean, in that case, bring in people from outside because guess what? They're going to see your thought leadership. They're going to see how you care for the customers. Your customers are going to naturally talk about the product if they're happy. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, I've been thinking about buying XYZ. You have it, right? right? And who's who's your best word of mouth? I mean, that's it's your customers and 
you know, one of the things, I guess, maybe you asked me earlier, what's the thing they're like, Leslie, God, again, <laughs> evangelists, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. those, that's where you brew your evangelists and that's where your evangelists start to do their first work is just having a conversation of their own volition that came up naturally and they're helping you close deals and they're just doing it because they want to. So that's, that's, it's so funny. I'm so glad you brought that up because um, when we do customer journeys for people, people always will you know, think we're going to stop at renewal. And I'm like, why would you stop at renewal? What you just said is where we stop. What well, my, my, my stock phrase and the, oh, Jeff saying it again thing is it's like, we're not trying to get these customers renew. We're trying to get them on stage at your next user event. And they're mm-hmm. talking about how critical it is and that they would fight to the death with their CFO about keeping your software. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what you want, right? It's not always going to happen, but shoot for it, right? Like go for the front row parking spot. If it's not there, you know, drive a few lanes back or something. So, oh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the whole theory of like the name of my company, you know, chief evangelist consulting. And there's a lot of different types of evangelists out right now, like the kind of like chief evangelist of, you know, a company, but this is like grassroots, you know, you can take John and sure, maybe some Janes will end up being your speaker at your SKO, but maybe they're just the one that answers questions. Um, They'll take a reference call. Maybe, um, you know, they'll, they'll tag you in a post on LinkedIn just because they're happy or they had a great experience. So it's like these little micro wins. And I think that's where the industry B2B is kind of a little bit missing out in thinking about these really small units that all of this grows from. It all grows from incredibly happy customers who will talk about you, but we talk about like PLG and all these LGs, but we don't think of the building blocks of those. And they all start with one thing, which is, you know, these customers that hopefully you're turning into evangelists. I love the micro wins thing. I, I, and I just think of some <laughs> current situations I've been in where everybody was pushing for the big, go on site with the video cameras and the production and the drones overhead and everything. And it's like, what makes more of an impact that or somebody sitting in your community saying, no, you got to use it. Trust me, it's great. Or, hey, look at this little piece of snippet I just wrote to do X, Y, and Z or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's that organic um, thing where, where suddenly I remember our marketing team was going in there and they're like, this is where we can get our quotes from. Or, you know, obviously they're going to reach out and do the right thing and everything, but like, sure, sure. but just seeing the conversations that happen, like, first of all, oh my God, people are actually talking about our stuff. Like we've actually, you know, mm-hmm. gotten somewhere and maybe arguing over ways of doing things as well too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a great, that's a great concept. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I get a little bit of like pushback on sometimes is like, well, how is that scalable? If you're going to treat your customers in a certain way you know, how is that scalable? It's scalable because one evangelist will make 10 more for you. Um, they refer somebody in and the statistics say that one, if you're referred in, you're four times more likely to refer somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to think about this in this big, like how will we scale it and put it on a spreadsheet and all this kind of stuff, because the, the act itself scales a good portion of it yeah. on its own. You know, that's, that's fine because you talk about pavilion. Yeah, somebody referred me in and I don't now I don't think it's super unnatural to refer somebody else in either as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Totally not sponsored by pavilion, but maybe I should go off and talk to Mercedes, my CSM, and see if uh, she would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just no, I'm just kidding. Um, this is great. So what are some of, if there are not others, but like I'm, we talked a little bit about the, the evangelist and just being very human centered 
let's talk a little bit more about the ultimate importance for brands for this besides the, hey, we have a community. Like, where do you feel is that underlying, if you had to sell this to a CMO or CEO, that ultimate ROI story they're going to get out of, of community? Yeah, I mean, again, going back to that book um, that I talked about, and I think I've heard lots of people talk about this on LinkedIn, that like the standard um, marketing channels aren't working the way they used to work. Um, you know, I'm not going to consume ads the way I used to consume. I'm not going to, you know, read your emails that you send me. And so it just, it has to evolve into something else and word of mouth marketing. It really just goes back to like, we're really just new as old. Yeah. This is the same as, yeah. My friend had a company that sold for a lot of money that was word of mouth marketing and that's exactly how they did it. And they had a whole platform around it. But as soon as you said that, that's exactly what it it struck Mm -hmm. the bell as. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's really going back that way. Cause we're just, I think we're just all smarter about marketing. And, um, and then if you think about like, even going to a restaurant, like if I'm like, Ooh, best restaurants near me, there's no chance I'm going to go to a restaurant unless I've looked at how many reviews they had yeah. read some of them yeah. and then decide what I'm, you know, where I'm going to go. Absolutely. And then when um, I'm going to order so. as well too, like that's where we're now, like who, who, who now we go to Yelp and then we, we, decide to go there and they'll be like, well, what are the best dishes people are talking about? Right. Like, you know, I'm not going to ask the waiter anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to look on Yelp and see what the best thing is. You could probably ask chat GTP. You they would probably tell you now. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good point. I use Jasper myself. It's a, it's a great program because I don't have, they have to fool around and, and know all the other stuff, but so, yeah, it's a great tool out there. Absolutely. So what, what else are we missing here when we talk about, you know, the, Think about this is I know you're going through and you're doing this for somebody right now. You're rolling a new community out from scratch, right? And mm-hmm. I know, and by the way, if anybody's interested, go to Leslie. She can do this for you. Just, she did not ask me to say this, um, but I know that she's excellent at it. Thank you. So so let's just think about it. This is the easiest way to talk about it. You're rolling out a new community. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Core tenants, right? Making sure X, Y, and Z are there, right? Mm-hmm. What are yep. some of those core tenants there? Yeah. Um, we have to have a, we have to have a point of view. Um, we have to understand, um, you know, just a community around a product isn't going to bring people in unless you already have a beloved product like notion or HubSpot or Salesforce. Obviously most of us are not notion HubSpot or Salesforce. So we have to differentiate ourselves. We have to understand what the competitive landscape looks like. Um, we have to understand, you know, what the personas are in our community, like who is our buyer um, like you said earlier, you talked about a, a developer community. I'm not going to offer a developer, most likely a spot on my podcast, a thing on stage, you know, right. like those things aren't as valuable. Maybe the same with a CFO, you know, like a, a FP&A person. Yeah. Um, whereas goodness gracious, when I was at Pavilion, I know how to push all you revenue people's buttons. I mean, I give you a stage. I, I call you out on a LinkedIn message. Yep. I thank you in a public channel. I gave you a chance to be on a panel and you all are like, Oh, Leslie, you're amazing. Are you um, these people have high egos and need to be struck. No, no, no. They, they, no, but they, their, their personality is such that they would like a little bit more um, to be seen as a thought leader, or they would like a little bit more um, spotlight. Absolutely. And there are people that that is not their, you know, their motivator. They and so like understanding what your community. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Understanding what your community, how we motivate your community, because you have to really think about that. Um, like I said, buy-in, and then we just have to get into, you know, project planning and execution. And yeah. there's, 
I think last I looked at my last project plan, there are 57 different items we need to actually accomplish for before we could launch. There's some post launch, but like probably 50 items to launch a community. Um, so, so it's not just people starting think, up, not buying the software and sticking your logo in the top left corner? No. <laughs> or even worse, we're just going to open up a Slack and we're going to open up a Slack and just let everybody in and uh, everything. It's like you have to have, there's code of conduct. There's a, a theory of how you're going to moderate. How are you going to take care of your customers? Um, you know, there's just so many things that you have to decide before you could even open the doors. And then you're going to open doors on a soft launch, folks, not a full launch. Great point right there as well. <laughs> yes, I failed launching a community too. I was one of the quick little thing out there for professional services, people to talk without all the CS people jumping in on it. Like we just wanted our own little area mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, didn't do it the right way. I still have high hopes, still on the Slack channel. So as soon as you said Slack channel, I was like, oh. So we'll talk about that maybe offline someday. But again, no, didn't want any monetary or anything out there. It was just sort of like, hey, we just need a place to talk. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that motivates a lot of people to to start that. Yeah. Um, The other thing real quick, and I know you have another question, is like having someone dedicated to the community. Ah, and who's, so, that who's got the ownership over this, right? Like if we think about departmental or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, and, and then, you know, okay, what resource are you going to put on that? Where does that usually fall? Is it marketing? Is it CS? Is it? Well, it, it depends on the community. So there are different, let's see, it's called the spaces model. There are, what is that? Six different types of communities. So um, support, yep. product, um, acquisition, um, C is content. E is uh, engagement, and then the last S is success. So it depends on what type of content, what type of community you're building. Um, so of course, it could land under CS, but I'm saying most likely, um, most of the customers that I'm working with is more of an acquisition engagement um, play. And so we're usually under marketing is usually where I'm seeing it. But you know, I'd love that one day it changed. So it was you know, a C-level title reporting to the CEO. Like that would be my dream. Oh, chief community officer. Yeah, let's go. I can see that. Yeah. I think Communispace had that. I can't remember what their product was. There, we used to share a building with them. The question that I had is not as applicable, so it's going to come out as a total non sequitur, by the way. Um, so, um, but when you were talking about getting this going and, and having it be grassroots and not so forced, the only the thing that kept popping up in my head, and I'm not familiar, sure if you're familiar with this, but are you familiar with the the Encarta versus Wikipedia study that came out a long time ago. So essentially at the same time, Microsoft, mm-hmm. I believe, launched Encarta, which was, mm-hmm. you know, let's yes. take all the encyclopedias and put it online. Yep. And then and essentially at the same time, people were like, let's start Wikipedia, right? Mm-hmm. There was this, and you would now know, you're gonna be, I can see the light going off in your head. Like yes. there was this point in time where Encarta was a total failure. like compared to mm-hmm. like Wikipedia. And it was because it was organic. It was grassroots. People felt like they just wanted to contribute. They weren't getting money out of contributing right. to Wikipedia. They're, they're, but suddenly some people see it as a badge of honor that they've mm-hmm. created X amount of articles and things like that. So I, I have like, that's a data point. I'd love to hear your sort of, um, so sort of talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's community. I mean, it's basically community led growth and you've bought people into your mission, which is why we start with mission, vision, values, because if you can bring people into your mission, 
you're gonna have a much better chance of having them want to participate, you know, with you um, in that. So yeah, that's a great, it's a great example yeah. um, of that. So yeah, no, I've, I actually have heard that before. That's, that's a yeah. great story, actually. Actually, I haven't heard it for like a long time ago. And then I was like, almost going to switch over to Google. I'm like, was it in Carta again? But like, it was, it was, but it was, I think when that, like the first wave of community stuff came out in like, you know, whatever era we were in or something like that, mm -hmm. it was like yeah. this case study. And I was, you know, for me at the time, I think it was when I was, when we were putting together that developers network were like, no, look, people will want this and they're going to, you know, then all the gamification comes in and stuff. I'm not sure if, do people still do like the gamification on, on community? Is that a helpful yep. thing that works? You know, I, I think so. I've not done anything with gamification just yet. I mean, I think it's interesting you brought that up because I was um, just finished reading Drive oh, yeah. by, um, I remember my man. I wrote it too. I can't remember. Who wrote Daniel Pink. Yes. Dan Pink. Just finished, and so that was the, the whole difference between internal, you know, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Yes. How it works, you know, how intrinsic motivation compares. When can you use extrinsic motivation? And then, like, there's some if ands or buts, um, you know. And and I guess for you know a lot of what we're talking about, it's not prime for extrinsic motivation. Like, I'm not doing a re repetitive task over and over again that's going to get me, you know, that's going to take me past the monotony because mm -hmm. we're talking about a lot of, you know, right brain thinking and a lot of um, creativity and extrinsic does not work on that as well. And there's, he cites lots of interesting studies in there and actually how it um, diminishes um, motivation when you do that. So I think, I don't know, I don't, I haven't, I don't know that I've experienced enough to make a solid judgment on my thoughts, but that definitely made me think about, you know, how do you motivate people to do these things. And like you said, um, you know, the people at, uh, um, Wikipedia, they do it because they want to, and they do excellent work because they want to, not because someone's giving them a token or a star or a dollar. So, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, we're all different people, but I, I hate gamification and every, and as you can imagine for somebody who's working on lots of internet projects over the last 20 plus years, like as soon as that came up, I was like, Oh no, like those are in the same room where people are like, how do we make this go viral? Right. And it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, let's just do the right things and then the right things will happen and everything. Yeah. 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 I think gamification works a lot in those support communities yeah. because you want people to answer questions over and over again. So that makes a lot of sense to me, but on the ones where it's like, you know, I see you ask a question like, Hey, Jeff, I have been there too. You know, do you want to grab a coffee? Um, that's a little bit different. I, mean, I don't know that you paying me or give me a token or whatever, that wouldn't change my output. I'll do it anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like nice to have, I go into Reddit and I'm like, Oh, how many upvotes? Like who cares? You know what I mean? It just doesn't mm -hmm. matter to me. If there was any time, I don't know if you've had to deal with this, um, but have you ever had to like, recharge a community as in it had a good bump at launch and then it just starts sort of declining i'm curious like what would be some of those factors that that might cause like a declining community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um well one would be and i i'm in the middle of doing one of those oh, okay. um one yeah one would be um not having appropriate resources um, people think I'm going to set it up and we're going to get going and customers are, or people are going to start talking and then I'm going to be hands off. We're going to let it run. Itself. Ah, so the assumption of what we hear out there is like, you just launch it and walk away and all the magic happens, right? Yeah, no, it's totally not going to happen. I forget who, um, posted about this. I think it was uh, Heather Faye. She's the, um, one of the community people, um, 
leaders at six cents. She's like, if you build it, they will not come <laughs> um, pretty much point blank. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's it. I mean, it takes a lot of it's, you know, it's a good six, seven months to even start to see other members help members. And before that, it's hand to hand combat. I mean, I to go back to a, a story with the team at Pavilion, we had a team at, of 16 at one point and we did over half a million Slack messages. Granted, we didn't have all the right technology we should have had, but, um, you know, it's like, it's one-to-one. Jeff wants to meet so-and-so. Let me introduce you two together. It's like, you have a question. We've let it sit a little while. No one answered it. Let's tag someone else into the questions, see if we can get an answer. So there's a lot of hands-on. And if you're not investing in that, um, that's the other thing is I don't, I won't work with anybody who's not going to have a, doesn't have to be full-time, but a dedicated person on community because it's not, it's not going to work. Um, the other thing is maybe you haven't done your research and you don't know what motivates your community or what they'd find value to begin with. Um, so it needs to be some good research on that. Yep. Um, so persona work or just, just basic, mm-hmm. basic persona work. Yeah, absolutely. Persona work. And, and also like, you know, really just, I mean, I do a lot of interviews. So it's like, what, you know, are you in other communities now? What do you like about them? What would you like to never see again? What is something you thought of that you'd love to see in the community? Yeah. Um, why? And, um, you know, what, what could this community solve for you? It's like really, truly understanding the challenges that a community will solve, because if there's not, you know, tangible outcome and value for the member, they're not going to keep coming back. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, those are some of the, some of the reasons, but also like we've seen community migrations also, you know, it's like migrating anything, you yeah. know, but that's, that's some of the challenges too. I had this question that I was going to ask, but then I saw something in your eyes when you were talking. So I kind of think I know the answer, but let's see if I'm right. And I was going to say, when do you get that smile that you know things are going right? And I think I heard you say, I saw your look when you said, um, when the first instance of community people helping each other was. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Community people helping each other or um, one of the communities that has already launched um, that I work with in Canada. And it's, um, you know, for um, international, um, founders moving to Canada and having them, um, you know, send a success story or post on LinkedIn and tag the company. I mean, that's, that's huge for them to feel like, you know, that company is part of their journey. So like you start to see that little spark of emotional connection and it's like, ah, you got it. You know, that's what you're, that's what, to me, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Is LinkedIn a community? LinkedIn, you could have a community on LinkedIn. I would not call LinkedIn a community. Yeah. I think LinkedIn is a, LinkedIn holds my audience. And if someday I wanted to build a community, I would build my own community and I would bring that community into an owned community. So like for me, LinkedIn is a rented community. Mm-hmm. I'm playing on your space. It is not an owned community. So I, I probably would not call it a community. People may disagree with me, but I'm not going to. It's a trick question because, (laughs) but as soon as you mentioned LinkedIn, I'm like, huh, there's, there are community-esque things going on in there, but there's a lot more going on in there as well too, as we all know. So yeah. 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 Secret algorithms, of course, and society. (laughs) Those algorithms. So I'm always cognizant of time um, because, you know, the people are usually just, you know, walking their dog and wanting to log in and hear what we're we're doing. What have I missed? Do we not cover any of those sort of core tenets of community? I know you went over everything um, that that I think we've talked about before, but just uh, doesn't look like it. I think you might have gotten them from from what I'm hearing. I think I think we I think we got it. I mean, 
yeah, no, it's like CEO buy-in, proper expectations, dedicated community manager, and really um, the the desire to create a point of view on how you want to treat your customers. I'm sure you you also run into that in customer success. It's like people are selling, 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 but they haven't truly defined what their point of view on is what their customer experience is going to be beyond you'll be onboarded and then you will use the product and I'm sorry, that's not going to, no, that's not a point of view. You need success criteria and make sure the customer is getting, meeting that success. And you're saying, you know, through every stage, through every handoff, why are they buying this software and what outcomes they're expecting to see? And then constantly going back and making sure that that's happening. And then right. you can't renew or upsell if you haven't done that essentially. So, yeah. And how does that happen? So it's like, not only just that, but like, how does that happen? How do we want that to make to happen? What are the things we are going to do to ensure? Um, And sometimes that's the hard, you know, like the harder stuff. And sometimes that's the soft stuff. Like we will make our customers feel X. Um, So that's great. Well, listen, it's winter time. Not exactly where you are in Dallas, but uh, what is? I think I know what it is, and you're going to make everybody up here in the Northeast cry. Like what your what your winter time activity is. Like I'm gonna, you know. We have a outdoor winter bird feeder where we got this like big fake squirrel and now all the winter birds go and eat off of it. It's amazing. I should take a picture of it, but uh, yeah, that's, and we sit out, we'll drink our coffee and we'll just watch these, these birds come in uh, and feed off. But that's, that's the thing I look like in February right now. That's what keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. Um, well today um, you probably will hate me. I was uh, between calls. I sat outside um, in my lawn chair in front of my pool, watched it sparkle. And I uh, just love the sunshine. Just lets a little blanket and, and uh, gloves on in a, in a winter. Hat. No light sweater. And um, yeah, no, it was beautiful. That's amazing. I'm jealous. Well, I'll be in Texas next month. So I'm looking forward to, to some more. Awesome. awesome. It'll be even more. It'd be like summer here for you. I can't wait. Well, I'll make sure I bring some short sleeves, uh, but it can't present in short sleeves though. But uh, well, listen, Leslie, you're so gracious with your time and thanks for coming on and talking about sort of that other side of community, which is the, the some of the more necessary stakes besides just get the software uh, bought and everything. So um, I'll make sure to grab all the places where people can find you. So where, where are you normally hanging out if, if you're not working on communities? Um, you're probably, I mean, uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. So you can always DM me on LinkedIn. That's the place to find me, unless you're in one of the other communities that I'm in, which is like six. And then you can, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much. Hold on one second and I'll make sure we just square off on a couple things and uh, we'll talk to you soon.